Welcome back. It's the Ways to Flourish podcast, where we discuss how to flourish through our challenges and elevate the voices across William & Mary's campus. I'm Lindsay Heck. And I'm Jenny Hellmandaller. And today we're talking fuzzy, furry pets. We've got Dr. Mark Sullivan, who is the handler of Stella, one of the therapy dogs that we welcome here on campus, and also Grace Phillips, a senior who is majoring in biology and psychology and has been doing some really cool research in this area. So pet therapy, some people might be thinking, what is this? It sounds a little different from our clinical work. So what is pet therapy? Why pet therapy? I come from the other side of it, so to me, pet therapy is just having the pets available for anybody to interact with whenever they want to, and just having them there when somebody needs them. Mm-hmm. From my standpoint of being the handler, it's just I'm basically the driver to get Stella to her gigs, and um, we're just there for anybody that wants to come over and, and talk to her or pet her or be with her. She enjoys it, and she basically will call people to her to interact. And it's just a very basic level that petting a dog makes you feel better. And how long have you been doing pet therapy with Stella? About five years. We started training when she was 10. He can teach an old dog new tricks. Yeah, what makes for a pet being good at pet therapy? I think they got to be kind of natural at it. She's just got an attitude where she just wants to see everybody. Everybody's a friend. She's not judgmental on any level. There's a whole lot, in the testing process, there's a whole lot they have to go through to, to be certified. So what does that training process look like? It's just basic obedience training to get like a, a good citizenship certificate. And then we specifically train for the testing for the certification. Mm-hmm. So some of the things like she has to um, not react to loud noises or it's um, she has to leave something on the floor if it was dropped, mm-hmm. even on food. But it's, there's about 20 different things that they're tested for. Oh, wow. She's just a natural. And so, Grace, you did a project on pet therapy. Could you tell us some more about that? Yeah, so this summer I uh, collected data specifically about um, pet therapy and how it impacts uh, students at a neurological level. So there's been lots of data about how animal therapy can impact students Um, and really individuals of all ages uh, based on their reported stress and how they feel. And there's also been some data about um, physiological markers of stress, like saliva responses and and heartbeat, things like that. But there's been no data about how animal therapy can impact individuals of any age at a neurological level. So what I was trying to do is show how the brain is really impacted um, when you're interacting with an animal. What I was doing is I was having individuals come in and they would answer some questions for me, and then I would take a baseline measurement where they, to get their baseline stress when they came in. So they would just sit for me um, for a minute with their eyes closed and a minute with eyes open um, just to get that baseline measurement. And then after that, they would spend about 10 minutes interacting with a therapy dog. And then I would get another measurement afterwards to see if there were any changes um, during and also after interacting with the therapy animal. So what happens when we're interacting with our pets or, you know, pet therapy animals? Why does this make us feel better? I mean, it's just, it's someone that's very accepting for any situation. Stella doesn't care what kind of day you had or if you had a fight with your roommate or anything. She just wants to be there and say hello. It just naturally makes you feel better. I've seen students really calm down, especially like at the final week where they can 
take a break for five minutes, come over and visit with the dogs. It's a lot better than a coffee break or a walk around the swim. You can just see them relax. Yeah, I was going to ask you, Dr. Sullivan, like what you've observed in like kind of the therapy sessions where Stella is able to interact with students? It, it's different. I mean, every, every person's different. Um, at the swim, some of it's a social thing where people are meeting friends and they're just chatting and while they're petting the dogs. Some of them, though, are, it's, I've seen usually people were, you know, five, ten minutes and then they move on to another dog or whatever. But I've seen situations where people would just sit there for, you know, we're there for two hours almost the whole time. And Stella's intuitive enough to pick up on people's stress. And I, a couple times I've seen her go over and sit in somebody's lap. She picks up when somebody's worried or upset. Some people want to, um, you know, sit there and talk and everything. Some of them just want to be quiet with her, which I think is fine. One time at the library, it was one of those times when you walk in and you could feel the vibes. I mean, it was just, it was, the air was so heavy from everybody, just worried. And and she went home after one of those times and just slept for about two days. Oh, wow. Just like, she was taking on everybody's, it's oh, like the green mile, you know, taking on everybody's stress. <laughs> and a couple times, she didn't want to leave. I had to actually pick her up and carry her back to the car because she, she just sat down and was going to not move. Wow. So, Yeah, I mean, that definitely shows that it's not necessarily an inherent thing in all animals, the, the calming effect, the, like, intuition. Um, I mean, all of my pets at home, they, they would never, they cause you stress, for sure. <laughs> so it's really awesome that Stella has that innate ability. She's, I, I think she's a special dog, not just because she's my dog now, but, um, you know, I've been around thousands and thousands of dogs from my job, and I just picked up on her that she was meant to do this. How long have you had Stella? Uh, six years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she was passed around that we're at least her third home. Oh, wow. So for somebody that's had her history to be as kind and understanding as she is, it's pretty amazing. So, Grace, in your research, what, what did you find? <laughs> yeah, so I, it's only been a few weeks since data collection, and uh, EEG data requires a lot of cleaning before you're able to analyze it, so I haven't been able to get those results yet, but this is my senior honors project, so um, definitely by the spring I will have all the results um, analyzed, and I'm really excited to see uh, where it takes us. And there are other animals that can serve as uh, a way to facilitate pet therapy. Right. So we have dogs here. I think there's some bunnies locally in the area. And then you've got connections to another type. Yes. Yes. My family um, has an alpaca farm. And when I was in high school, I helped uh, my mom start an animal therapy program with our alpacas. And we mainly focus on assisted living facilities, some educational centers, and then uh, focusing on individuals who have different um, mental and uh physiological needs and we visit with them or they come out to the farm and interact with uh, particularly a specific few number of our alpaca herd Um, but that's really where I got really hands-on introduced to animal therapy and kind of was able to see that it is it is more than just um, dogs or cats it can really range with a variety of animals. 
Yeah. So you bring the alpacas into the facilities? We do. So some of our alpacas are able to go into into homes or buildings, um, and they're totally okay with that. Um, it We kind of judge it based on the alpaca. Different alpacas have different strengths, um, just like people. And we uh, base our visits based on who's good at what. Um, but sometimes we'll have an outdoor setting and we'll uh, people will come outside to see them or they'll just be out on the farm. And other times we um, have to go in places and, and uh, several can do that as well. Who do you think benefits most from, from pet therapy? I think it's a lot of students are missing their dogs at home. Mm-hmm. And it, it's a little bit of a connection back to family and home. When I went away to school, I really missed my dog. Who was my roommate and my she slept with me for 10 years before I went to college and and just I missed her so even though I started college about 50 years ago I can remember that time just like it was yesterday a lot of times I'll ask do you have a, a pet at home and you know and ask about their pet and that that makes people at ease and even if it's a totally different type of dog it's still petting a dog mm-hmm. do you think any particular pet makes for a better therapy animal. I know you might be biased because of Stella, but... Most of the time it's dogs. I mean, there are cats that do therapies, and, and there's rabbits. My mother-in-law lives in a uh, assisted living where they have a horse come in, and it's a draft horse. I mean, it's and, a oh, a draft horse. horse. I was going to ask yeah. if it was a mini. <laughs> no, it is not mini at all. Wow. I don't see how it makes it through the door. Um, but it's just any animal that's got the, the right attitude. And they, and they, I think they have to want to do this stuff, too. I was a veterinarian. I saw dogs that got to the point where they were great therapy dogs and then stopped wanting to do it, and they just retired. As long as she still gets happy every time I put the badge on, then I'm going to keep it up. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that dogs are really great for animal therapy because they're so familiar, and so many people have them, so it's just just a familiar face when you see them. But I also agree that it's more about the personality of the animal than what type of animal it is. Um, And I think different animals can kind of share similarities in their personalities, and that can make for really great pet therapy depending on what, what type it is. Are there any stories that either of you have to share you know, experiences that you've witnessed or been a part of in, in pet therapy that just really stand out where you see the power in the work that's facilitated? My favorite story to talk about when I think of animal therapy is with um, one of my favorite alpacas on our farm. Her name's Pippa, and she's a for sure farm favorite, but uh, she has a really strong intuition, especially when she's worked with a lot of uh, children who are in wheelchairs, and uh, she's she just has this different way of interacting with them um, than she does even with other people. Uh, she gets pretty excited to see um, people and she'll come right up to them, but she's very, very calm when people are in wheelchairs. And um, she likes to uh, lay down and put her head in the wheelchair oh. with people, <laughs> which is very, very um, sweet. And I've seen on two different occasions a, a child who was in a wheelchair and was not really able to move very much, would start moving their hand a little bit, or you'd see them start to smile, uh, which is something that was uh, uncommon for them. So those, for me, are, are kind of my favorite memories um, with working with the alpacas for animal therapy because it was just, it was so powerful, almost kind of emotional to watch, it just, a, just a level of connection that uh, a person and an animal has um, that's really just shared between the two of them, and it's um, just really powerful to watch. This makes me miss my pets at home. Might need some pet therapy after this. 
I know, I'm crying now. Like, <laughs> it happens. I mean, and you can't teach that, right? I mean, I think that, you know. No, I, I think they have to be, you know, a natural thing. That's their, you know, that's their personality. Yeah. Mm. At the very beginning when we started this, one of the first people that came to that was a couple, I guess they were either freshmen or sophomores, and they 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 would come often to see her when we moved downstairs and just in the lobby they would visit quite frequently. And then um, we had like two years where we didn't do anything because of the pandemic. And then um, we started up again last January. And they were the last um, group to come in and visit at the end of last year. And they both were graduating and moving on. So we kind of saw them through their whole four years of being away. And Mary was kind of, it's fun to see them through that time. We had one student that, that would come consistently, would never say anything to me, never say anything to Stella, but would sit with her for about 15 minutes and then move on. But he'd come back every week. So he, he obviously got something out of visiting her that he didn't get, you know, anyplace else. You know, every student's different, and, and some are some are want to chat, and they'll, and they'll talk to me like I'm grandpa. <laughs> um but uh, some of them just want to sit and be still and quiet with her. And I, I think there's a, a real value in silence sometimes that is overlooked of just being with the animal and, and petting them. I think that that need for, like, the simple act of touch and, and what's facilitated when you're, like, physically in contact with um, someone else. I mean, there's this element that brings peace and calm and, and comfort and security in that. And so I, th I think it's really lovely the work and opportunity that you bring to campus for people who might not be able to connect with their own beloved furry pets while they're here on campus. So here at the Wellness Center, um, Mark and Stella visit on Tuesdays and Thursdays. You can always check our William & Mary Wellness event calendar to stay up to date um, of when those times are coming up. Um, also on Wednesdays, we have um, Lily who joins us. I know there's some other opportunities in SWIM. I'm not as plugged into those, but they pop up around campus. Especially during final season. Corgis on Friday. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, the corgis are in SWIM in the afternoons on Fridays uh, for a couple hours, and they just kind of roam around the first floor of SWIM. Well, thank you both so much for being here and, and the work that you're both doing and look forward to hearing your results thank and you. seeing you and Stella here soon. Yeah, well, thank you also to our sponsor, United Healthcare, for support of this podcast. Ways to Flourish is produced by Lindsay Heck, Calder Sprinkle, and myself, Jenny Hallmandaller.